0: On this episode of Catholics in the Capitol,
1: Today's show, my guests are Monsignor John Ensler from Catholic Charities, Andrew Hyatt, writer and director of the new movie, Paul, the Apostle of Christ, Father Jack Hurley from the Cathedral of St. Matthews, Dan Dan, the Radio Man, and Michael Wasaba. All this and more, Catholic Radio for the Soul.
0: Catholics in the Capitol starts right now.
1: Good afternoon, friends. I am your radio host, Christina Cox, and thank you for joining us today on Catholics in the Capitol. We are coming to you from our nation's capital in Washington, D.C., today on Friday, April 6, 2018. And our show is brought to you from the Mona Electric Group and the Andrew and Susan Mona Foundation. Well, I am excited to be here for we have such an interesting show today. It has been so lovely out with the new cherry blossoms are blooming. They have arrived and Washington is in all its glory. Do you know there's going to be one million people here this weekend visiting the mall and the Tidal Basin? It's an array of pink and white flowers bursting and their peak is only going to last four days in full bloom from April 8th to the 12th. So make sure you come to our city, take a walk down the basin and around the Jefferson Memorial, bring your camera, take a stroll. It's going to be great and beautiful weather. Now, if you're driving today, I would like to start with a prayer, a prayer of protection that goes like this. It was written from a soldier from World War II. So let me begin. In the name of Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit prayer for protection. The light of God surrounds me. The love of God enfolds me. The power of God protects me. The presence of God watches over me. The mind of God guides me. The life of God flows through me. The laws of God direct me. The power of God abides within me. The joy of God uplifts me. The strength of God renews me the beauty of God inspires me. Wherever I am, God is. Now, this prayer was written by James Freeman for all soldiers during World War II, and it's a powerful prayer. And I wanted to say it today to keep you all safe while you're driving around Washington. Well, let me tell you who's going to be on the program today. We have Monsignor John Ensler, and he is the president and CEO of Catholic Charities for the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., and he's going to share with us their mission of what Catholic Charity services, what, what what they provide, and he's going to be talking about the big gala tomorrow night, April 7th, at the Mount Marriott Marquis which raises funds for Catholic Charities. He's also going to talk to us about the Susan, Dennison, Mona, beacon of hope center and the new andrew and susan mona foundation later we're going to talk with andrew hyatt who was the writer and the director of paul apostle of christ and it stars jim caviezel james faulkner olivia martinez joan wally the story covers paul going from the infamous persecutor of the christians to jesus christ's most influential apostle Later in the show, Father Jack Hurley is going to join us uh, from the Cathedral of St. Matthews, and he's going to talk to us about divine mercy and what that means, and the, uh, the feast day coming up this Sunday, and the Annunciation about the Virgin Mary. Great feast days coming up for the week. Now, who's joining me in the studio is Michael Waspa, and he's going to bring us some news about Pope Francis. How are you, Michael? How are you doing today?
0: I am doing fantastic. How are you, Christina?
1: I'm doing great. I was just reading some news of what's going on in Rome with our, our Pope Francis.
0: Yeah, well, uh, out of the Vatican, a pretty cool story here. Uh, you know, the Vatican's getting ready for the Synod on the youth on Youth in October. And so Pope Francis chose a group of Italian high school students to write the meditations of his Good Friday Way of the Cross at the Colosseum. I thought that was just a really cool and unique way of doing it, as the Pope tasked a religion teacher, and then that religion teacher then chose 15 students who attended class. Uh, classical high school in Rome, such as this one 18-year-old Marta Croppo, who wrote the meditation for the 14th station when Christ's body was laid in the tomb. And so she she told the National Catholic Register on March 23rd that she thinks Pope Francis wanted young people to write the meditations because of their simplicity and their ability to, quote, communicate other type of messages to the world. I thought that was so brilliant. She goes on to talk about how they're not scholars or theologians or anything like that, but rather that it's... A, Just young a, a, people. Young people talking about simplicity relying on their experience of faith and religion in everyday life. And I think that's so great because if you look at the grand scheme of things, so few people are actually theologians. So few people out there are scholars of the Catholic faith. More people are more likely to be able to relate to an 18-year-old who's gone through, you know, maybe a quarter of their life, let's say, and they have life experiences, and they have been in situations where their Catholic faith and their Catholic beliefs and their Catholic trusts have had to come to the forefront for that certain situation. So I thought that was a really smart move by yes. the Pope, and it also gets young people involved a little bit more in the Church. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, uh, Pope Francis knows that the young people are the future of the Church. Now, there's another interesting story that's out there, too. Why don't you tell us? It's about uh, what's happening in Poland, right? Yeah.
0: yeah, I love this one, and it this... See, I just turned 30, so I tell everybody that I was born in the wrong century. And that's that's for sure. I like the slower lifestyle. The yeah, I'm not a techie kind of guy. Smartphones aren't my thing. And so what Poland's doing has me really, really excited, and hopefully it'll come to the the United States pretty soon. In Poland, a new labor law bans most commercial shopping that takes effect on Sundays. So what the Polish government did is they enacted a law that bans most businesses from being open for more than two Sundays a month in the year 2018. By 2020, retailers will only be able to be open on seven Sundays a year. The law initially proposed by the Solidary Labor Union in 2016 was endorsed by both the ruling Law and Justice Party and the nation's Catholic bishops, obviously. Yeah. Keeping holy the Sabbath, you know, the third commandment. People, yes. it, it doesn't happen. You know, a lot of times our Sundays are more busy than our work days, you know, and going to church is simply a list a, a on your bucket list or not your bucket list but mm-hmm. on your list of things to do on Sunday but really that's what you should be focusing on that's where our mind and our attention needs to be going to church spending time with, with family, family with yes. friends relaxing being able to just gain a greater appreciation and rest, How and about rest? Some
1: rest? absolutely calm down from this crazy world it and makes, just uh, yeah. take some time have a nice meal hang out with your family Spend time with your wife because you probably don't see her all week because she's working, you're working. I agree. You know, growing up in New Jersey, uh, we had the blue laws there And um, you know Sunday No malls were open and, and just people Didn't do it and also you know, When I was a teenager in Long Island That's what we did we shared time With our family wouldn't even think about it
0: Right and I think we need to get back to that way Because we're losing Yeah, you know, Everything's becoming monetarily yes. Driven and that's not really What this world is, is about It's about God it's about family It's about friends things are nice but they're not Necessary
1: good point Michael Well, stay tuned. I'll be right back with our first guest, Monsignor John Insler of Catholic Charities. Don't turn that dial.
2: Hi, this is Dan DeBiase, General Manager of WMET 1160 AM. I have an urgent announcement about WMET. We have been on the air in the greater Washington, D.C. metropolitan area since 2010. We have been leasing the station from a very generous family who purchased WMET for that purpose. The owners want to sell WMET. This is exciting news for the Guadalupe Radio Network. WMET is being offered to the Guadalupe Radio Network well below market value at $2.8 million. We need your help because we only have one year to raise the funds to secure WMET as a Catholic voice for the area. Please visit our website at www.grnonline.com for more information or call us at 877 636 1160, that is 877-636-1160, or email us at wmet at grnonline.com, that is wmet at grnonline.com. Please pray for the success of this project. Mona Electric Group is the leader in commercial and industrial electrical contracting in the D.C. Baltimore metro area, with over 700 employees and over 250 trucks on the road. Founded by Cap Mona in 1966, Mona leads the industry in electrical service, renovation construction, new construction, alarm system, data system, and security system solutions. And with over $10 million in charitable giving as published in the Washington Business Journal, Mona Electric Group is the responsible choice in commercial and industrial electrical contracting. Visit GetMona.com for details. That's GetMona.com.
1: In the Capitol, and joining me in the studio today is Monsignor John Ensler, the President and CEO of Catholic Charities for the Archdiocese of Washington. Welcome, Monsignor. How are you?
3: I'm great. Thanks. Nice to be here in Easter week. Great to be here.
1: Well, thank you for joining us. You know, a lot of our listeners may not know um, who you are. You know, we were out, we broadcast out to Virginia and Maryland. So I would love to tell. Uh, our audience today a little bit about you. You have such an interesting uh, uh, childhood and bringing up, brought, being brought up Catholic and where you are today. So can you share with us a little love bit to. about your... I'm
3: very proud of my background. I, I am one of 13 children. Wow. Uh, my dad and mom were wonderful Catholic parents who raised us all in the faith. In fact, all 13 of us, I think, everyone went to Catholic grade school, high school, and college. My dad was a government worker and was able to pay for all of us to go to a Catholic college. It was a commitment he made to all of us. Um, he oftentimes said, you can't grow grass with a lot of kids. You can't have great cars, but you can get good education. And he did it for us. So I grew up in Bethesda, right here in Bethesda. I, I went to Our Lady Lord School. which was a wonderful school back then, and St. John's High School. Uh, mm-hmm. And went off to college in Iowa. My, my dad's from Iowa, from Dubuque. Went to college in Iowa, back to Mount St. Mary's. Um, so, a vocation really came, I think, out of, out of the fact that my uncle was a priest, two cousins were priests. So, a wonderful um, example I had in my family. But, but this particular job, I, so I was ordained a priest, I was ordained to be a parish priest. I love parish work. In fact, mm-hmm. I still love parish Pastorial. work. But seven yes. years ago or so, uh, the cardinal asked me if I'd be willing to take this position as head of Catholic Church here in Washington, D.C. And um, I, I frankly I said yes but didn't understand any of what was getting into you had it. to learn yeah. a lot. There's a lot to learn, and, and it's a great program. It's a great agency, but I really didn't know I was saying yes to, but I'm so happy I did. It's a wonderful, wonderful way to serve the poor that people need.
1: Well, Cardinal World knew what he was doing when well, he picked you. you just, he just had a feeling that you well, would fit into this job He does say, he
3: does say the spirit do this for us. And I, I feel very good about the fact that uh, he chose me to do it, and I feel that uh, we've been two great partners together.
1: Well, terrific. Well, Catholic Charity serves more than 120,000 people and through 63 programs in 48 locations throughout the District of Columbia, Montgomery, Prince George's, Charles Calvert, and St. Mary's County in Maryland. That is a big undertaking uh, to watch so many, um, you know, programs. And and how do you do that?
3: Well, the, the great news is, of course, we have archdiocese and diocese here. So across Potomac River, my friends over there, Diocese of Arlington, that's a different Catholic Charities. Mm-hmm. Up 95 towards Baltimore, again, a different Catholic Charities, but together, three of us all take care of people in our own community. So our community, as you just described, is Washington, D.C., and the five counties, Montgomery, Prince George's, Calvert, Charles, and St. Mary's.
1: And how many Catholics is that? Is that about
3: 620,000 Catholics, I believe, in that, in that community. Um, and so we have a, a big job. We serve actually about 140,000 people a year, individuals. The programs we oftentimes say we're the most comprehensive social service aid Washington area. Meaning, basically, mm-hmm. we do almost everything. We have programs for people who are homeless, uh, medical care, dental care, people with developmental disabilities, uh, people who have, need clothing, people who need uh, re- refugee uh, efforts. You know, we have um, human trafficking as well as domestic abuse. I mean, you almost name it if it's a social service you do it we do it we yeah. do it and 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 our, our basic goal is to say if you come through this door for food you may also go through the door for medical or or, or dental whatever so the doors are open wherever you come in we try to make sure we serve whatever needs you might have
1: yes and what comes to mind too especially with women the focus on women whether it's the elderly or pro-life as well
3: we have a wonderful sanctuary for life program uh the cardinal has asked us to take that over and lead that for him so we deal with many many young women who are pregnant Many of them are immigrants, many of them without insurance, and that's mm-hmm. one of our main, main goals. One of the blessings we have is the Catholic hospitals we have in this area, actually including Prince George's as well. They do a lot of our, our um, prenatal work uh, and uh, for free, basically, whether it be Holy Cross or Providence or now Prince George's. They all say we'll take care of these people for free. It's, it's a great thing. So we do the the, the heads-up, the, the initial work, and then they come in with the actual deliveries that's, they do that for us.
1: Well, I'm saying this is the work of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what he wanted. He well, wanted wanted the Catholic Church to take care of, of of people in need, and this is exactly what what um, the archdiocese is doing here.
3: Have you ever heard the comment from, from Cardinal Hickey? It was a cardinal here a few years, years back? Um, someone said, to him, "Why do we take care of people who are not Catholic?" He said, what when are not Catholic?" He says, "We don't do it because they're Catholic, but we'll because we're Catholic." So we Catholics like believe we're supposed to take care of people's needs. That's our goal, and it's part of our mission, Jesus' mission. So yes. it's, it's really wonderful we can say we're doing the work of Jesus, the work of the Lord, and we there's no question about what your religion is.
1: And it's like in the Catholic schools. You know, we, yeah, you so don't look if the, someone's not Catholic, you take people from all faiths. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Wonderful. So let's talk a little bit about the Susan Dennison uh, Beacon of Hope Um, place that went up. Was
3: it last October? It last October. It opened up last October. Center. Yeah, it was
1: the center. Tell us about that. Well,
3: uh, as we talk about these various uh, counties, uh, we're very strong in the district. We're very strong in the county. We're not as strong as we want to be in in Prince George's County. Mm -hmm. So we had a wonderful gift. A friend of mine, a St. John's graduate as well, uh, Cap Mona, said to me one day, three years ago or so, um, we have a building we're not using. We might be available to you. And uh, he gave us a building. In fact, what he actually did is he actually bought out his partner. So he uh-huh. spent some money to give us the whole building.
1: Is that the and one that was the restaurant or something? It was the Joe Theismann's restaurant. restaurant. Exactly.
3: So it was a restaurant. Yeah, I
1: think he spoke about it that. It was Joe
3: Theismann's yeah. restaurant. And he said, I'm going to give it to you. Uh, it, it, the restaurant, of oh, course, I closed at that point. So um, it was a great building, a solid building. Um, but, of course, it needs some work. So we spent a good bit of time. So what's, what's there? What's there right now, we have our dental clinic, which is serving lots of people. It's growing well, exponentially right now. People need right that. Now. Uh, we, there's a medical clinic next door, which is run by actually by Doctors Hospital in Lanham, a partnership with them. They follow our teachings exactly. We wouldn't go into into a partnership. Mm-hmm. There's no worry about issues of not following Catholic teaching. It's all done according to Catholic beliefs. We also have our legal, pro bono legal, and our immigration law. That's all on the first floor. Oh, my
1: goodness. Hasn't That's opened
3: yet. but to, But to come, but to come, will be a health equity center on the second floor. It's the University of run for us, so they're, they're having a partnership. So, so we'll have basically a whole building there, under the, if you will, the the name of of of, of Susan DeMona, uh, in honor of the Mona family, but serving lots and lots of people. And of course, Catholic Church will be the the central piece of all that.
1: And I understand you have lots of parking.
3: Lots of parking. We do lots of parking. <laughs> because we're not
1: parking in D.C. here. Well, one
3: of the good things, I just found that out coming here.
1: But, yeah. <laughs> but,
3: but the good thing is is that we will also we'll open up, I think, this next couple of months, there's going to be a, a, a garden, a basically a, a, a garden for people want to have their own um, cooking vegetables there. So, so part of the parking is going be to become a, into a, a garden for people, a health garden.
1: Well, I always say to uh, Cap Mona, you lead like Jesus.
3: He's amazing. He, he's
1: amazing. Cap All the Mona is
3: one of the great men of this area because he, he get education. People who are poor, scholarships, scholarships uh, rebuilding homes in Prince George's. He is— And um, the
1: Sisters of Mercy.
3: He's a giant. He's a I giant. I know.
1: And, and very humble as yeah. well.
3: Yes, he is. Yes, he so is.
1: speaking of uh, what's going on this week, we have the big dinner tomorrow right. night right. at the Marriott, what, right, for the Catholic Charities. That's Tell right. us about that. Well,
3: every year we have a—so we have a need to raise some money that's unrestricted every year because some of our money is restricted by different grants and all. So this dinner raises about two million dollars. It's amazing. Uh, we have about thousand people come to it. It's a, really a party, and people love it because it's more of a—it's um, really a fun event. It's not it's a program, but it's pretty short. You know, Cardinal yeah. speaks short. I speak short. And in fact, we do a little, little, little kind of a, a little model to it. This year is going to be—you know—Saturday Night Live at Catholic Charities. Oh no,
1: that's and wonderful. It, I've already seen some of, some of the,
3: some of the things we're going to do. It's going to be very, <laughs> very, very funny. I'm part of the stick, and part oh, others really? are. Oh, really! So it's going to be fun, and um, but it's it's really to raise funds and, mm-hmm. and resources for all the programs and to have, we have do. fun and fun, and so a yeah. thousand people come. Um, and and they'll be they'll have a great time. And we have a younger group that comes as well, who are mm-hmm. now becoming. You have an after party.
1: party or you have music, right after uh, the dinner. <laughs> after dinner
3: is over, basically people can stay and, and and party and dance for a long time. And they do dance. They do dance.
1: Now you have your gala chair is going to be uh, Bishop Byrne.
3: Actually, not if, Bishop Byrne, Father oh, Bill Byrne.
1: Oh, Father Bill Byrne. If, who, okay, And who, who, where's he from?
3: Father Bill Byrne is a pastor. related to Mercy. Oh, okay. Uh, I was there. He's a good friend of mine, and uh, he was part of last year's uh, shenanigans. Uh, which was which was actually a roast of me. So I invite him back to be to be the chair. He's doing a great job.
1: Wonderful. So let's uh, tell everybody where it's going to be. It's going to be at the
3: Marriott Marquis. Okay, right right down the street here. It's going to uh-huh. be a wonderful event. On one it's mass. Gonna, that's right. It's going to be. Um, I think begins at six thirty with cocktails and greet the cardinal from six thirty to seven thirty, and then seven thirty dinner. 9 o'clock or so, dinner comes to that, and dancing until about midnight.
1: And where where can people still get tickets? I mean, at the uh, last we, minute, you'll sell right we, up to the we, 630?
3: We, perhaps you let us know, though, because we <laughs> have to get people's seats. Yeah, you so, got to get so seats. So if you want to come, I'd say they should buy You so go to calvichurriesdc.org, uh-huh. and, uh, and then go there and, and look for the gala, and you can sign up there.
1: And any special honoree um, uh, this, this year? Not no?
3: special. Not so much. I think we're honoring the, our, our, our clients
1: uh-huh. and
3: honoring those who support us.
1: And will there be a receiving line with the Cardinal in the beginning the of the Cardinal evening? Cardinal
3: always there. Father Bill Byrne will be there. I'll be there. And the Cardinal will be there, of course, to greet all who come and, 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 and have a great time.
1: Very exciting. And any other quick program that you want to tell us? Because we've got about a minute, minute well, and a half I left.
3: Think, I think that the key issue that concerns me right now is the immigration. Um, and, and we're working very hard. We have 17 full-paid paid lawyers who are paid by us, 200 pro bono lawyers who just work in immigration. That's all they do. It's, it's a concern to me because the, these are people like us, uh, and they might not be legal when they come here, but they're, they've they been here for a number of years, and we've got to be careful. I, I think our position would be that, you know, we want our borders to be safe and our borders to be tight. No question about that. But once you're here... For me, that's the body of Christ. We take care of them. Yes. So that's my concern. Is we don't we don't leave people without the, the, the security they need. That's what so. If you're an
1: immigrant and you've been working here or living here and you need a little help, they should contact. You the should contact the
3: Catholic Cherries. We have all these lawyers. It's mostly it's mostly the uh, legal issues. Right. Um. But we and we. But sometimes, um, people are also being, frankly, uh, misguided by people who are not really as, as honest as they need to be in terms of legal issues. So, Catholic Charities is a great resource for people who come. Need help, and that would be people who are DC, but I know Arlington's a lot of people who are immigrants yes. as well. So we want to serve all who come.
1: Well, thank you, Monsignor John Ensler with the uh, Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Washington. And we look forward to seeing you again tomorrow night. Thank you so much for joining us on Catholics in the Capitol.
3: It's been a pleasure, and thank you for letting us share the story.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Not sure what gift to get for your loved one or what book to read next? Go to Paschal Lamb. Paschal Lamb is a full-service Catholic bookstore and gift shop. Located in Fairfax, Virginia, Paschal Lamb has a large variety of top-quality merchandise and a knowledgeable staff. We're open Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. For more information, call 703-273-5956 or shop online at paschalamb.com. Here at 1160 AM WMET, one of the things that we love to do is evangelize through the airwaves. If you want to help us evangelize through the airwaves by evangelizing on the roadways with an 1160 AM WMET bumper sticker, it's very easy. All you have to do is give us a call or email us at wmet at grnonline.com and we'll send you out an 1160 AM WMET bumper sticker.
4: Established in 1992, the Susan Andrew Mona Foundation was founded on the element of a mother's love for her son. 26 years later, this local nonprofit operates on nothing less and carries on the tradition of neighbors helping neighbors. For more information, to donate, or to follow our projects, please find us on facebookcom backslash S-A Mona foundation. That's facebook.com/s.a.mona foundation.
1: Welcome back to Catholics in the Capital, and now my special weekly guest, Father Jack Hurley of the Cathedral of St. Matthews. Hi, Father. How are you today? Nice to have you.
5: Well, I'm very happy to meet with you. Uh, and uh, after that wonderful week that we we had, uh, going from Palm Sunday to, to Easter, that was quite a week.
1: I can imagine and now we are uh, into the springtime here in Washington. Cherry blossoms are, are um, popping, and tomorrow we have the Cardinals' um, dinner you know, for the Catholic Charities. Looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, what saints do we have? What's coming up this week?
5: Well, we have quite a lot coming up, two major uh, feast days, really. We're coming up to the celebration of two remarkable feasts of our God's great love for us. His Divine Mercy, this first Sunday after Easter, day after tomorrow, and the Annunciation, which uh, normally would be on March 25th, but it was moved back to this coming Monday, as this year, March 25th, was also Palm Sunday. That's right. Now, the apparitions of Jesus revealed to Sister Faustina in Poland in the Early, late 20s and early 1930s sparked this observance of the unlimited merciful love of God towards all people, which is generally considered and celebrated as the divine mercy. Its main themes are first, to ask for and obtain this mercy, second, to trust in Christ's abundant mercy, and then third, to show mercy to others and act as the vehicle. For God's mercy towards them, the celebration is marked, as we know, by the beautiful and moving Divine Mercy image, with the specific inscription "Jesus, I trust in you." Of course, originally that was in Polish. Mm -hmm. Likewise, of course, there is the recitation of the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, which will be prayed throughout the world in many observances of this feast, which course was, we, we realized, was authorized by Pope John Paul II, who himself had a personal devotion to it. Many churches, as the uh, cathedral here in Washington, will have special observances, climax by moving, sometimes singing, recitation of the chaplet. And then the next day, this coming Monday, we celebrate the Annunciation, the first joyful mystery. A reminder, it was Mary's yes to his conception that ultimately would lead to the death and the resurrection of our Savior. And so there is a tie-in with resurrection here. St. Matthew's Cathedral has two impressive reminders of this greatest announcement in history. We have the special altar dedicated to the betrothal of Joseph to Mary. This is important because Joseph was from the house of David which established the lineage of Jesus as a son of David. And then there is the mural of the angel Gabriel announcing this good news to Mary, which faces the Blessed Sacrament altar, as well as the main altar from the Marian Chapel. And we look out on it from the main altar as we celebrate mass. And this event has led to one of the most popular prayers of our church, of course, the Angelus, which records the declaration of Gabriel to Mary, her conception by the Holy Spirit, her positive response as handmaid of the Lord, and the awesome closure, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us.
1: That's wonderful, Father. Can you tell us a little bit about Sister Faustina?
5: Well, Sister Faustina, Early on, it developed a very close relationship, personal relationship to the Lord. And um, she, early on, wanted to devote herself to serving the Lord. It was not that easy for her to, um, first of all, get to Warsaw. She came from a rather poor family. And it took several tries before she finally was accepted uh, in a convent but um, then a few, after a few years we had this remarkable apparition of the Lord to her calling forth celebration of the divine mercy you know outlining the image that Jesus would would hope would be put together and um, indicating the the prayers and the special time that that um, the, uh, the Lord wanted as a celebration, mm-hmm. namely the first Sunday after
1: Easter. I see. You know, I've been to some churches when they have taken out a picture of the Divine Mercy, and then they say the chaplet, or they exactly. sing along, a sure. litany, We
5: have a, We have a wonderful uh, picture in the cathedral. And it's taken out, and we have the chaplet, Of course, is coming Sunday afternoon. Oh,
1: it'll be Sunday afternoon. And
5: actually, Jesus desired that that the image be in a church.
1: So, what time on on uh, Saturday afternoon, if our listeners want to come? Sunday afternoon.
5: Yeah, it, it will be um, shortly St. after Matthews. the Spanish mass and and so it will be about two thirty, probably Two
1: thirty, wonderful mm-hmm. and what about the, the uh any special other than mass for the annunciation does the church have anything on that day it falls on a monday
5: well because it is a monday this year we we would not be able to have the the uh, normal celebrations but mm-hmm. but of course uh, it is a very special day to to recognize and uh, certainly would encourage going to church or at least saying the first joyful mystery.
1: I was just going to say, if we could say the rosary on that day, the joyful uh, uh, joyful mystery, that would be a wonderful thing to do. I'm going to put that down and not forget to do that. Well, thank you, Father Jack, for joining us. Great to see you again. And we look forward to these wonderful Marian feasts coming up. Is there anything else that is going on with your Bible um,
5: uh, This coming series, uh, Saturday, I'm starting a Bible study, a two-part Bible study on the... Wisdom literature and Scripture,
1: and um, any other special um, things that you're doing in your Bible classes? Are you um, preparing? Because you talked about Saint Mark, and then it comes Saint Luke follows that.
5: Yeah, that will be uh, that will be coming up. But of course, we have a wonderful presentation of Luke, and there's a uh, film that has just come out. Paul the Apostle.
1: Yes, of yes. You said you saw the film. We're going to have Andrew Hyatt on later on the show. We're very excited. He is the writer and the director of Paul the Apostle of Christ.
5: I've heard him give a, a presentation. He's, he's very, very compelling and very good.
1: Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Well, thank you so much, Father. Great seeing you. And God bless. And we'll see you over at the Cathedral of St. Matthew's. Thank you. Thank you.
5: Donnie, what two important
0: things do we receive when we go to Mass?
5: Scripture and the Eucharist.
0: Great job. You're so smart. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to WMET 1160 AM or simply log online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and
3: pass it on.
4: Established in 1992, the Susan Andrew Mona Foundation was founded on the element of a mother's love for her son. 26 years later, this local nonprofit operates on nothing less and carries on the tradition of neighbors helping neighbors. For more information, to donate, or to follow our projects, please find us on facebook.com backslash S-A Mona Foundation. That's facebook.com backslash S-A-M-O-N-A Foundation.
0: Back here on Catholics in the Capital on 1160 AM WMET, the Guadalupe Radio Network. My name is Mike Washba in for Dan DiBiase on the events this week. And joining me in studio to talk about some events is EWTN's White House correspondent, Mark Irons. What's going on, Mark? Good to be here. Hey, how are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for taking the time to join us today. Normally when we do the event segment, we'll talk about things that are going on around town. Uh, Things to do on the weekend. I know we got cherry blossoms that are in full bloom, but we're actually going to talk about something that happened last weekend that just finished up the NCAA tournament. Did you follow? I did. It was huge and obviously a
6: Catholic angle on this one.
0: I was going to say, normally we wouldn't talk about it, but because there was such a huge Catholic angle to it, we we have to dabble in it. Villanova, of course, won the championship. They're associated with the Augustinian order. And then you also had probably the biggest story Loyola of Chicago. Sister Jean. Sister Jean. I, right. I want to jump into that first. Yeah. Do you, I, obviously, you know, there's the saying, no exposure is bad exposure, but oversaturation can kind of dampen a mood. Do you think the overexposure of Sister Jean has done that from the Catholic perspective, or do you think there was the right amount of exposure? I,
6: I think that it's all good. I think it's all good news for Sister Jean and for the school and just for, for Catholics. I mean, how can you not get excited if. If you know you're a Catholic and you're a basketball fan, I mean, to me, she was the MVP of the tournament. She was you awesome. Know, I couldn't get enough of Sister Jean. Her media sessions were larger than yeah. coaches was. I mean, she was phenomenal. It, it was great. My only complaint: I watched the the Final Four game they had with Michigan. There weren't enough cutaways of Sister Jean during <laughs> the game. <laughs> right. they, they went to her once or twice. I wanted to see more Sister Jean. I thought she was great, um, and you know, just such a cool story. It, no. it is. And it's something that would have never
0: been told if Loyola hadn't done th- what they did right. during the dance. Right. And you tweeted uh, at Mark Irons Media. Give him a follow. He's a good Twitter account to follow. Please I enjoy follow. Um, you tweeted that Sister Mary Jean has left the building signifying <laughs> Co- the end Co- of Loyola's correct, run. Correct. Uh, but it, it kind of was that. You know, When she was there and, and Pepe, they did well. And then when she got rolled out, they got bounced out.
6: Correct. Yeah. And, you know, I think that one thing to clarify, too, because apparently, you know, the big story here is just there's this this amazing, you know, Catholic nun or, or just, you know, whoever she, you know, it doesn't matter if she was a Catholic or a nun, but I guess it does actually matter. But she was such a, <laughs> for, for our purposes, it's great. But there was this great story. And then actually, when you watch that final game, she literally rolled out. Uh, and yeah. some people thought she was leaving early before the team was was done playing. That that was not the case. She she always does that. She she goes to the tunnel and then when the team walks out, she gives them hugs and you know says good game and everything. Yeah. Um. So that was the only little bit of negative you know spin, sister Jean stuff negative, I saw. But but, but to me it's it's all positive and really just you know. It is all Very positive. Cool and then, as we mentioned, Villanova went on
0: to win the championship, beating Michigan 79-62. to Not really a surprise. Mm. I mean, they, they were quite dominant, were dominant throughout yeah. the entire tournament. Uh, but I want to jump over to the women's side and, and do a little talk on this before we talk about college basketball and Catholicism in general. Right. Uh, the women's side, Notre Dame, had two huge upsets beating the— you know, undefeated UConn, was, uh, 91-89 right. in the Final Four, and then taking out Mississippi State, 61-58 on a buzzer beater. Uh, what does that mean for, again, you have two Catholic institutions yeah. on, on the men's side and the women's side that go ahead and take the national championship, one on a buzzer beater, so that's going to give them a little bit more national acclaim right. than it
6: may have otherwise done. What does that mean for Catholic institutions across the country? Well, I mean, this it's never been done before. This is the first time in history, two Catholic schools... Won the national championship, and so I think, yeah, it's just it's it's more exposure and and gets people talking about these places. I mean, you know, just to jump quickly back to Loyola Chicago, I I'll be honest, I'd never heard about this school no. until this run, and uh, they had
0: won a national championship. They they had, in the yeah, 60s.
6: yeah, and there was a great photo of Sister Jean back, you know, uh, when know, back in have, the day when yeah, she was yeah, yeah, she she had full habits. <laughs> <and> everything on. <laughs> but um, you know, everybody knows Notre Dame, but but again, this doesn't happen when you have both. Both teams win at men's and women's Catholic schools. and um I think it I think it's great for these programs. A lot of them, uh, and you might get into this next, basketball is their dominant sport. We know about yeah. you know Catholic basketball. We don't you know that's their main program, there's reasons for that. Uh, what are some of those reasons for that? well, there was there was two articles actually from USA Today, but also the New York Times um, uh, wrote about it, and just some interesting points. They made uh, one. They said in the New York Times article that they, they credited Catholic Youth Organization basketball. So, CYO leagues, we've heard of those. Similar to YMCAs or whatever. Exactly. And they said the CYOs which were originally founded as they, I'm quoting them now, as kind of an urban Catholic parallel to the predominantly Protestant YMCAs. Um, And they say the CYO set many players on a path toward Catholic colleges. And a lot of these were popping up uh, in areas where you had, you know, working class immigrants, a lot of minorities. um, and, and, And this is kind of where they started. Um, and then another reason was that a lot of these Catholic schools didn't have a lot of money. You know, when yep. you have the, um, they mentioned again, Protestant colleges or others, or, or state colleges typically have more money. Um, you Think about it, if you have a football team, how many guys are on a football roster? About, well, what, 50 something? Something like that. You Ish. got all the gear, you got it, you know. There's, there's a lot more
0: expensive to, e- exactly. to put together a football team than it is to get two hoops and a ball and
6: exact five to 12. You played basketball. I did, I did. I sat mostly on the bench, so <laughs> I, I kept it warm over there. But I'll tell you, yeah, I, I mean, it's, you know, exactly 10 to 12, you know, 15 sometimes, you know, it, it tops. But the point is, historically, these Catholic areas and Catholic schools uh, really, really, you know, hooked on to basketball, and this, we've seen it since. And a lot of these programs have built up over the years. It's great to see. I mean, you got schools, Holy Cross, LaSalle, San Francisco, Loyola, Marquette. Uh, we're not even talking about the other right.
0: local one here in D.C. in yeah. Georgetown that is predominantly right. you know, the bee's knees
6: when it comes Absolutely. to Catholic uh, I mean, basketball programs. Nine Catholic schools in this year's NCAA tournament. Um, I was just Looking back quickly, I think... If you go back year by year, uh, we're talking men's, women's may have is there as well. But you know, you're going to have it seems like you know 10 to 12 teams every year Catholic schools in the tournament, in the,
0: in the dance. Um, yeah.
6: And then this year alone, you know, half of the number one seeds. There's only four, but Villanova and, and Xavier Zag- were, were number one seeds. And then year. Gonzaga was what, like a four-ish? Oh, they're they're, they're, they're right behind. Yeah, yeah they, they're they're they've been there. making huge runs ever since. And notice that a lot of these schools too, um, it's like, where's their football team? Again, there's more d- of a focus on right. on basketball. Villanova doesn't have. Do, uh, do I, they, I don't, I don't they know. I don't one. know if they do. Xavier,
0: or not. I don't think has one. Georgetown has one, but they're not. Yeah. You know, Chicago, Chicago, well developed. Loyola
6: Chicago, I they got rid of their team years ago because of expenses. Yep. Uh, Gonzaga, pretty sure they don't. I have don't. One. I've never heard of a, so, a Gonzaga
0: football team, yeah. right? So,
6: yeah. I mean, as you can see,
0: you know, different different schools pick and choose. Obviously, the Catholic schools have had more of a focus on basketball, and I think really, Mark, it's done a great job to bringing extra exposure for free uh, to the you know, to Catholicism. I think so. Uh, just because of all this, like you said, Sister Jean was the real rock star of the entire tournament, right. bringing phenomenal exposure to the Catholic faith, and then it all happened right around Easter time, too. It oh, couldn't yeah. have worked out that better. That was
6: the icing on the cake right All right, Mark, we got to run. Um, it is the event segment, so let's give them something to do this weekend. What are you doing this weekend? That's a good question. Got me on the spot now. Um, Maybe sleeping in all the tournament excitement. You know, I've got to got to recover from all that.
0: That's fair. And then you know,
6: whatever firestorm you're going to create
0: at the White House, we'll we'll uh, see. We'll see. Hey, if you want to follow him again, it's Mark Irons Media on Twitter. It's a great follow. Check him out. EWTN News nightly every night. You got any big story that you're working on for tonight?
6: You know what? Tonight, um, well, obviously, the big story right now is the fact that the president says he's going to send the National Guard to uh, secure the southern border. Uh, that's something we reported on yesterday. I actually got a question with Sarah Sanders um and she responded to that I, I I quoted a congressman who was calling the president out because he was saying it's going to be very expensive. And for the money to make, you know, an arrest at the border that the National Guard could. This is totally off topic from basketball, who, by who the way. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh, with that money spent, you could give a homeless veteran housing for two years. That caught my attention because, you know, obviously uh, those are people that we care about, homeless veterans, uh, the most vulnerable, you know, the people in need as Catholics. But, you know, that, that was just one congressman on Twitter. Uh, and then she responded to that. Um, you know, saying that, that he could he could be doing more to help out. So you know, there's both sides of this issue. There is a Catholic perspective. The bishops talk a lot about immigration, um, not so much on basketball, but you know, maybe maybe more on that later. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> we, we could <laughs> but, only hope. But yeah, I- immigration right now is something that we're covering pretty close. Very good. Well, we'll look forward to the reporting of that. And uh, thank you again for jumping on. Again, thank you, Mark Irons
0: Media on Twitter. We're going to come right back, and Catholics in the Capitol will return right after this.
2: I'm Colin Donovan, host of the Friday edition of Open Line and the EWTN Theology Roundtable. You're listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network.
0: What better way to start off the spring than to get outside, enjoy some fresh air, loosen up those limbs, and join St. Andrew Apostle Schools for their 5K spirit. Runners, walkers, or strollers are all welcome. Early registration is now through March 23rd, and that's $30 per person. After that, it jumps up to $40 per participant. This event will take place on April 14th at St. Andrew Apostle School in Silver Spring, Maryland. For more information, go to standrewapostle5k.org.
1: Well, welcome back to Catholics in the Capitol, And my very special guest is Andrew Hyatt, who is the writer and director of Paul the Apostle to Christ welcome Andrew I'm so excited to have you on the show today
7: thank you for having me
1: (laughs) thank you for joining us must be kind of early over in in Los Angeles (laughs) well you know I happened to see the film yesterday on Easter well the other day on Easter Sunday and I can't believe what a beautiful job you did and I just really wanted to share with our listeners and hope that more people will go out and see your wonderful movie. So I want to ask you a little bit. I think you're from this area, from Maryland. Did you grow up Catholic here in this area?
7: I actually grew up in uh, uh, Colorado, in a small town in Colorado. Uh, but, uh, yeah, grew up Catholic uh, in the Church, and... Um, had a wonderful uh, my, my parents were actually both Catholic school teachers uh, at a very tiny little school called uh, St. John the Baptist.
1: <laughs> oh, wonderful! And uh, so you went to Catholic school, and are you one of these um people that have uh, grew up Catholic and then you kind of uh stray away a little bit and you came back strong and started working in biblical movies?
7: Well, I did, yeah, yeah. I, I, I did unfortunately what a a lot of young people do, which is, you know, I I grew up in the church, had a wonderful upbringing, Catholic school, Jesuit high school, Jesuit college. But um, yeah, you know, you know, it's this thing where um, I, I, when I got to college, I sort of, I I looked around and, and I kind of questioned my faith, right. It it becomes this moment where you say, is this something for me, or is this just something that was a, a tradition of my parents that was, it was given to me, and and for me, I kind of said, "Well, it's not for me. It's it's something my parents will do." And and so I, I yeah, I, I walked away for about seven years uh, from my faith. But uh, then I had a major uh, reconversion back to the faith, very similar to uh, Paul's experience. Uh, it was a very much a Damascus Road uh, experience. So so that's why Paul's. Paul's story has been uh, very close to me.
1: Oh, that's what, what was my next question. I did want to ask you: How did you pick the idea about Paul the apostle and writing this script? So, had a pers- you had a personal connection to this apostle.
7: Yeah, it was just you know, it, his story from that moment was always very close uh, to me because it was such a wonderful, wonderful example, as as you know, of of just the the abundance of God's grace and and mercy and love. You know, you look at a a man like Paul who, you know, comes from, you know, literally persecuting the church and then God says, hey, I'm going to use you to, to go out and, and change the world for me. And and that story has always stuck very close to me, uh, having, having one of those conversions of, of being very lost and, and wandering and then God literally, you know, knocked me over <laughs> and yes. dragged me out of the mud.
1: Well, especially um, in the film when you talk about Nero and how he's throwing Christians to the lions in the bloody circus and then burning Christians alive as human candles. I mean, um, just because of their faith. He, he Nero has no mercy, whether it's women or children. He is brutal and cruel. And I really felt that when I um, was sitting at the edge of my seat watching um, you know some of the the uh, begin, especially in the beginning of the film. Can you share with us about how you um, uh, was able to do that?
7: Yeah, I think, it, you know, it was very surprising to me, you know, it, it, growing up in the church and uh, certainly being so familiar with Paul's story and, and and the story maybe of the early church, but I don't know that I ever really considered it, and, and maybe it's just me, or, or maybe this is sort of all of us as Catholics because we're just— Uh, 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 we we hear these things every Sunday all the time all these stories and and this beautiful scripture but maybe we don't often really think of the context in which this scripture and and these events are happening uh, historically and that really moved me and 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 really impacted me when I started to look at the history of when when Paul was speaking when these things were happening and as you said um, so, well, you know, th- this was a really violent uh, uh, moment in time uh, where where Emperor Nero was in charge and these Christians were being persecuted. And, and it really impacted my faith and really impacted me to kind of really consider the context of when Paul was writing his letters, when these first century Christians were living and, and the time they were living in.
1: Well, you know, this is perfectly uh, timely. I think God chose you to get this out and get the word out, especially with the persecution that's happening around the world, like Syria, Nigeria, parts of Mexico, Latin America. You must have felt that um, as the film was coming together that you really were pointing to a cause. I I liked when you had the uh, dedicated to the persecution of Christians that you put that title right up in the film.
7: Yeah, it was it was really uh, something that came along much later. We we never went into making the film, you know, when we started making it with with this idea that that the first century church was so close to what many of our brothers and sisters around the world are facing. Uh, but it was something that, yeah, as the as the film started to come together and and we started um, even filming some of these scenes, you know, you know, one scene in particular, you know, not, not to spoil it for the audience, but you know that uh, that very powerful scene where where the christians are, are going out um uh, in the nero circus and facing their death uh I, I just remember sitting there and all of us the the cast and the crew were sitting there uh as feeling it was it. being filmed and just all of us uh, you know in tears and, and looking at each other saying whoa uh this is happening right now in the world uh, uh which is really as American Christians, we don't think often about.
1: So true. Well, you know what amazes me, Andrew, is that this picture cost $5 million, but you were able to do it in 23 days with such wonderful stars as Jim Caviezel and John Faulkner and so many great actors. And uh, I see God paved the way for you to get into 1,400 theaters nationwide. That's incredible. That's a miracle.
7: (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, a total miracle, total miracle, uh, and and just grateful that that God put it on our hearts to tell this story right now. I think, you know, it really is a story that that we all all need to hear. You know, be reminded of just how much God loves us, how, how how we can never really be too far from His grasp, and and it was a it was a gift to be able to do it even on a small budget and a and a small time, and it's It really is a miracle that that we were able to put a a first century period piece, you know, an epic Roman first century period piece on screen for for this amount of money and and in this time.
1: Well, a good choice to to film it in Malta. And it looks like Rome to me, 64 AD. And the backdrop and the wonderful costumes. Uh, I did want to tell you that um, I would say halfway through the movie, there was a man sitting to my left uh, because I was by myself and this gentleman was by himself. He was crying so loud and his face was covered that he, uh, I think he was having a conversion right there in the film. And then he sat there after the movie was over. He had to pull himself together. There was many people crying And um, you really hit home, I'm telling you, and the great relationship that you show between Paul and Luke, their intimate friendship, the way that they uh, had dialogue, and also how Paul takes this risk. I felt nervous for him when he was going into the prison. I was afraid he was going to get caught. (laughs) He had me sitting on my seat, at the edge of my seat. (laughs)
7: There's a, a, a beautiful thing happening right now where, uh, just as you say, you know, it's been very humbling to watch the responses pour in where, where people are so moved. And, you know, we just give all the glory to God because there clearly is a, uh, the Holy Spirit's moving through the film. And it's only attributed to we just looked at scripture. I, I, I literally just took scripture you know, uh, looking at Second Timothy and Paul's life and, and and these amazing events and and putting it on screen, maybe for the first time, it's amazing to watch how people are moved. I, I've had the 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 real uh, sincere privilege of sitting in the theater myself, um, where I snuck in uh, just to just to kind of sit in the back Reaction, and watch yeah. a, a group uh, watch it last weekend, and and it was the same thing. Yeah, the same thing. You know, just. Just people were so uh, emotionally moved and w- what a beautiful gift to watch the, the gospel on screen and, and how it moves people.
1: I, I took away with me when, when Paul says to Luke, when after he says something important, he says, write it down, write it down. <laughs> I thought that was terrific because if, it, if that's what he was <laughs> doing, right, he was writing it down.
7: Isn't it funny? I think we all we all kind of consider, oh, well, the Bible is the Bible, but we forget that at this moment in history, <laughs> there was no Bible. There was no idea that we're going to put it all together and it's going to be this thing. And it really, uh, it must have come out of their experience and a, a lived experience to say, hey, hey, this could be really helpful. You know, let's yes. let's let's write these letters down. Let's bring these letters to the community. Let's uh, let's sit and And and, and think of Paul's experience or or Luke's experience or or when we when we write Christ's story, you know, let's let's give it to the community. And it was a beautiful thing to remember that this came out of a very lived experience and a, a very real need to know the stories. Um um, and so yeah, I appreciate you 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 noticing that.
1: <laughs> well, listen, we only have a couple of minutes, so I do want to ask you, I've got one minute left. I want to ask you what other biblical projects are you working on? I can't wait for your next film.
7: You know, we're trusting that God will lead us in a certain way. I've got a great team and 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 wonderful producers. but I think we we've got a half an eye on uh, Saint Patrick. I think we're gonna we're gonna go after next here.
1: Well I'm sitting here with Father Jack Hurley from the Cathedral St Matthews and he did see your film with a bunch of priests here in Washington they loved it His favorite saint is Saint Patrick so if you need someone to be a consultant you got you have to look up Father Jack Hurley he is the best so well, listen there we we, we wish we you so We
7: already have a, a good a good group out there. <laughs>
1: Well, listen, God bless you for all the great work that you have done. I know that God is leading you to do wonderful things. We're so proud of you, and please keep up the good work. We'll be praying for you, and let's get our listeners out there to see Paul, Apostle of Christ, in the theaters. And we look forward to speaking to you again.
7: God bless. Thank you so much for having me. And, And yes, please go see the movie.
1: Well, that wraps up that wraps up our show today. I hope you all enjoyed listening to our intriguing interview with Monsignor John Ensler from the Archdiocese of Washington and Catholic Charities. Don't forget that Cardinal Whirl has his event with Catholic Charities and Monsignor John on Saturday night at the Marriott Marquis, April 7th at 6.30. Join us. It's going to be a great, wonderful gala. And thank you to Andrew Hyatt. What a great interview to hear about Paul, the, the Apostle of Christ. What a movie that was, and I really enjoyed speaking with him today and learning about how he is converting people by his movie and what wonderful um, things we learned about Paul the Apostle. Just terrific. And I want to thank our spiritual friend and weekly guest, Father Jack Hurley, who is a wonderful priest from the Cathedral of St. Matthews. Thank you for joining us and telling us about divine mercy and the Annunciation. And Michael Wasabaugh for joining me with the Pope Francis Report. I'd like to end with one of my favorite prayers to Our Lady, Mother of Perpetual Help. Our Mother of Perpetual Help, with great confidence, I present myself to you, I implore your help in the problems of my daily life. Have pity on me, compassionate mother. Take care of my needs. Free me from my sufferings. Or if it would be the will of God that I should suffer still longer. Grant that I may endure all the love and patience. Mother of perpetual help, I ask you for this to intercede for me in your love and power. Amen. I'd like to thank all our listeners today for joining us, especially the Mona Electric Group and Vince Cap Mona and the Andrew and Susan Mona Foundation, who are our sponsors for Catholics in the Capitol. Please join me on our Catholics in the Capitol Facebook page or email me at Cox at grnonline.com. I am Christina Cox, your radio host for Catholics in the Capitol on WMET, 1160 AM. And before I go join me in saying, God bless the Roman Catholic Church and God bless America. Now stay tuned for Dr. David Anders for Call to Communion.